need to have a biblical worldview. And um, I would be surprised uh, if we didn't realize that most of us do not have a biblical worldview. Most of us have a Western biblical view, which is a lot different than the true biblical view, and I'm going to go into that tonight. But what we want to look at in spiritual warfare is understand the reality that we're in. And uh, some of you may have seen movies like The Matrix. Some of you may have seen uh, other movies where people have to escape what they thought was a reality only to find a greater reality. Uh, Truman Show and these different movies where people find their ways out of a, a facade. And really, that's what we're in. It's a facade of what we think we see in simply the physical realm, but there's an entire spiritual realm round about us. And we need to begin to understand that reality and where we're living. And so I want to get a biblical worldview tonight. And let me just go over a national survey that was done in 1991, and I would imagine it's gotten worse. But the average American adult, and this is not Christian, but just average Americans, the adults, 35% say that Satan is a real being. They, they really don't believe in Satan much anymore. 58% of adults in America believe that he's not a real creature, but a symbol of evil. You know, the red guy with the pitchfork and the horns. But 35% of Americans really do not believe that there is a personal being called Lucifer or Satan. Now, those 65 years and older, uh, it goes up. 38% believe there is. Now, in born-again Christianity, get this, 52% of born-again believers believe Satan is a personal entity, a real person. Now, that's just a little better than half of born-again believers. That's not a good estimate. <laughs> All right, now that's sad. Uh, now, here, evangelical Christians, those are Bible-believing, Bible-thumping, toting uh, folks like us that really believe in Scripture, 49% believe that there is a real devil. It gets worse. Roman Catholics believe only 26% of Roman Catholics believe that there is a devil. And mainline Protestant churches, 27% believe that there really is a devil. Now, is that a biblical worldview? Absolutely not. And so here, out of the Christians in America who are to be salt and light, uh, a pretty dismal average who actually believe there is an enemy of our soul and someone working and scheming against the gospel. See, if you can't identify your enemy, if you don't know that there is an enemy, he's got you hoodwinked and he'll get the best of you because you won't know his schemes because you're not believing he's there. And so this is a sad situation that on a national average, most people only see it as a symbol of evil and not a real entity. So that's where I want to get into worldviews. And so let's take a look. There are a number of different worldviews that people have. One that is more elitism is the naturalistic, humanism, the concept of atheism. Basically, there really is no spirit realm. There's what is in the natural, what we see through the sciences to understand how things work in the cosmos. 
and we really recognize that this is a physical universe that got here on its own and developed through evolution and by chance evolved people and uh, we live, we die, and that's the best you got going for you. And it's a very naturalistic order of life. So there really is no spirit realm. And we see that there's agnostics and atheists and, and those who would be uh, more of the naturalistic concept. On the other side of things, you have what is an Eastern view or a spiritual view that says this. There is a spirit realm. It's a supernatural realm. There are miracles that happen. There are gods. There are demons. There are spirits. And uh, there is in their natural realm of the world, they don't look at it through the eyes of science. They look at more through it as eyes of relationship, family, food, well-being, and uh, uh, the blessing of life together as people in a supernatural world where there are spiritual entities. And so in these concepts or these worldviews, you'll have a lot of superstitions and a lot of shamans and witchcraft and, and curses and demons. Uh, I've been over to China in the Chinese New Year and when it's, uh, they're very spiritual people. They're, there's uh, a lot of different religions there, but very spiritual. And so they'll hang certain things on their doors to please the demons and the gods and to make them happy. Um, you know, we see cultures in India, a lot of different cultures have a very spiritual view of the world. Uh, a lot of New Age thinking, a lot of uh, connecting to, again, uh, witchcraft, shamans, demons, spirits, and so forth. There's a pretty large population in the United States that buys into ghosts and demons and, and spirit guides and all that, right? right? So you've got that kind of a realm as well in the mixture of American society, okay? Now what comes, ha- what comes with that is a biblical worldview that ties them together But what's happened to our biblical worldview in the West is it mingled, kind of morphed between both Eastern and naturalistic views. The Western worldview is that, yes, there is a spirit realm, there is a supernatural realm, and it's held in religion. And of course, there are the science and the naturalistic views, logic, reason, cause, and effect. And what the Western realm has done is pretty much separated and compartmentalized the religious spiritual things from the everyday naturalistic causes of life. Because we're intelligent. We know that when you get sick, it's because of germs, not because of demons on your back. We know that the earth is uh, round, and we know that through science that it has this and that and this and that. And we're so scientific, and, but yet we still believe in God and angels, but there's a gulf between them. And that's really what's happened in the Western mindset of biblical Christianity. Because many folks believe that there is a God, that there are angels, that there is a devil, but we've got to handle our life, work at it through the natural sciences of logic and reason, and really the two don't mingle that much. That's how you can get a chart graphing people who say they're born-again Christians but don't believe in an actual devil. Because they've put a gulf between them. 
And what had happened early in the church is Christianity left its foundation in Judaism, which had a very spiritual, uh, supernatural understanding of life, and went towards Greek philosophy and much more of a naturalistic. And so now it's, it's kind of brought it over to where we believe in the spiritual and the supernatural. When we go to church, and when we pray, sometimes God might intervene. But for most part, it all runs through the natural order and process of life. And that's kind of the Western biblical view. So what I want to say is this. It leaves the middle open. And what we have to get back to is the true biblical world view. The true biblical worldview does accommodate for nature. It does accommodate for the order and system in which God made all things happen. But God is still Lord over all of creation. There still is an enemy of our soul. There are still spiritual conflicts waging war in the heavenlies. And though you might get sick from a cold, there is also the potential of demonic forces that may be at play here. And we may heal from taking medicine, but we may also heal from the supernatural intervention of God. A true biblical worldview brings these things together. Where God, if He wants to heal, can heal miraculously, or He might send a crow with food in its mouth to feed you something to eat. As He did Elijah. Right? Supernatural God using natural means. But blending His creation to serve His will and purpose. And so we really need to marry them together. Let me give you an example for me that was a collision course. When I went to China about six, seven years ago, and I went to minister over there, I prayed as to what to teach. And from the Western mindset, we spend a lot of time, and I grew up doing this, spending a lot of time teaching, reasoning and teaching. And many of our churches in America today are based on cognitive reasoning and study of the mind understanding the Bible. Which is interesting because we're trying to comprehend it psychologically, emotionally, intellectually, when most of it is spiritually based. So I went over there saying, okay, what can I teach these folks? What can I expound in Scripture for them to learn? And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're not to teach. And I thought, well, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to be there uh, at two different places, one place for seven days, the other place for seven days. I'm going to teach. Eight, I'm supposed to be there eight hours a day, in constant session with these people. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord said, "Facilitate my presence." Oh, all right. That's kind of leaves it open as to what we could do. So, on the plane ride there, I felt that I should have a plan B just in case. Not saying God wouldn't show up, but I may miss him terribly. So I put together a concept of what possibly I should teach through Scripture. When I got there, uh, long story short, we got to where we were teaching and where we needed to be in secrecy and in private, and I began to teach. There were 26 church leaders there crammed into a little 10 by 10 room, and uh, I began 
to expound on what I thought should be taught to them. And I began to teach them in Scripture how Jesus is God in the flesh. And I used proof texts and I brought, brought them through Scripture and used these texts that prove the divinity of Jesus Christ and helped them just, just proof text it all the way through and spit out these verses. My, my translator was trying to keep up and we were just sharing these verses and these evidences and these intellectual proofs that Jesus is divine in God. And it went over like a lead balloon. It was a... And I'm sweating and I figure, okay, <laughs> seven days and six and a half more hours. <laughs> this is not working. And I'm nervous. Uh, my uh, translator is looking at me like, what is your deal? And the room, everybody else is looking at me like, why are you here? And um, we took a break. We went back in the other room. We began to pray. We began to seek God. I was upset. We talked. What are we going to do? This and that. And, and it dawned on me, I am approaching this from a Western mindset. When in the Eastern mindset, in these Chinese folks, it's not teaching them about Jesus being God, but letting Jesus be God. And I recognized that if I'm going to allow and facilitate the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I should let Jesus show His divinity to the people instead of me trying to show it to them through some scriptures and reasoning. So we went back into that room. I went with a different mindset, believing Jesus is God. Jesus is present with us wherever two or more are gathered. So Jesus is going to demonstrate His divinity now among us. And we began to pray and ask and invite the Holy Spirit to do that. And as we began to pray, the Spirit of God filled that room. And people began to weep. People began to cry out. The Lord spoke to my heart. And He, and he, he told me to call people up who have been sexually abused. Now, that's, that's a strange request among the Chinese because Chinese people do not want to be singled out or identified they don't want to lose face and it, it, that's a very tough thing for them to say or confess i told my translator that he uh he looked at me like i don't know how this is going to work let's just do it he did that we began to pray and then one woman in the back of the room stood up and came up front and knelt down and we began to pray and there was breakthrough we began to pray and i prayed for her and the translator began to just weep and begin to pray. And, and God was breaking through. By the time we got done with her, another person stood up and came forward. Another person stood up and came forward. Another person stood up and came forward. We began to pray for inner healing and deliverance from the woundedness and the pain of what they had been inflicted with. And, and it went on to 15, 16 people out of the 26 there, 17, 18, 19 Finally, as we got into praying for that entire room, I thought we were done, and then my translator came down front, turned around, and knelt down. And we began to pray for him. And it went on from there that God's presence manifest in such a way that he demonstrated his divinity. 
Now, I'm not saying we should not be without the Scripture, without logic, without understanding, and rightly dividing and studying the Word of God. We must know these things. But what we cannot do is take that reasoning and separate it from the supernatural. God's Word is a supernatural book. It is inspired or inspirited by the presence of God. They are spiritual words that bring spiritual principles into our lives. If we only leave them up here, we're minimizing the power of the Gospel. The reason you got saved wasn't because you made an intellectual decision for Jesus. You may have made an intellectual decision for Jesus, but that intellectual reasoning had to pack an inspirational, supernatural birthing of faith and the Spirit in you. You can't get that from reasoning. Do you understand that? So there is a supernatural aspect in the biblical worldview. And so we must have a healthy balance of this. And many of the churches in the United States have worked hard at separating the whole supernatural, angelic, spiritual gifts and all that out of the church because it gets messy, it gets noisy, it gets, uh, you know, we can't control things like that and we need to have control. And what it does is it, it just really chokes out what God's trying to do. I like what C.S. Lewis said concerning the spirit realm and the demonic realm. It's a famous quote. He said this, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. In other, the, in other words, the extremes are what the devil can work with. Because there's error there. We get our hands in it. I remember working as a follow-up caller to the 700 Club in this area. I don't know how many years ago that was. About 20, 25 years ago. When someone would call the 700 Club from this area, they would have a request and, and the operators would write it down. Then they would send it to the Michigan office. And then if it was in this area, they'd send it to me. And so and I'd get it and I'd make a phone call and I'd call the people up and say, hey, I heard you called the 700 Club. What can I do for you? How can I pray for you? Can I visit you? And I would do that. And I remember this one particular lady that I would go visit and I would pray with her and she was an excitable lady and this and that and loved the Holy Spirit and the move of God and knew that there was a spiritual warfare going on. But she was a little bit excessive in her belief of the demonic. And when I got there, one of her biggest issues was that there were demons in the peanut butter. And she needed me to cast out the demons in the peanut butter. Because when she would eat the peanut butter, she'd get sick and the demons would just attack her. So I had to work with her on the peanut butter and get an understanding of what we're working with here. You see, the enemy loves when people think there's a demon behind everything. There's a demon for this, a demon for that, and a demon for this, and a demon for that. So there's an excessiveness that he operates fear and that, uh, in people. 
again, there's the opposite where people say, really, there is no demon. That's a bunch of hooey. That's old, archaic thinking, and uh, we don't have to worry about that. And again, that's not a balanced worldview. Would you agree with me? We need to be healthy. We need to be balanced. And that's why we're going to study uh, spiritual warfare. Let's go on and take a look. Now, on your outline, let me help you develop a worldview for spiritual warfare. I just want to go through some of these verses and talk about them. The Bible uses warfare language or military language when it's talking about the host of heaven, angels and fallen angels. They're called hosts. That's a Greek word for a military unit. All right? And so they are, in fact, armies. They are established in ranks as armies are in authority. Let's begin here with 1 Peter 5.8. It says this, Be sober-minded. What do you think sober-minded means? We'll have some discussion here. Let's open it up. Serious, yeah, serious, be balanced, be understanding in what is taking place here. Let's be sober-minded about this. Let's not be foolish about this. Don't take it with just a grain of salt. This is a reality. Be watchful. Why? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. All right, so what this verse identifies is that we have... And he's speaking to the church at large through all the ages. We have an adversary. Now thank God, John says, we have an advocate. Jesus is our advocate. What's an adversary? An enemy. We have an enemy. Okay? Now, if you're not aware of your enemy as a soldier, how long are you going to last in the field? You walk out in the middle of the field. You walk down the road. <laughs> it's a nice day today. Right? You're shipped off to Iraq, to, to uh, some of the, the places where there's skirmishes. You go to Afghanistan. You walk right down the middle of the street. Everything's fine, right? You need to be aware. You have an adversary, right? An enemy. So you have to be watchful. And he goes on and he says, it's the devil. And he prowls around like a roaring lion. Lions roar when they're about to attack. All right? So he's in an attack mode. And what they do is they scare their enemy by roaring over them to cause a paralyzing effect on those they're attacking. So he is roaring. He wants to paralyze you with fear. Now, as we get into this deeper, you're going to find out that the enemy, as far as Christians go, the only power they have over us is fear and intimidation. Jesus crushed their power and authority and disarmed them. But the problem is, they're scary. You ever been scared? Right? Who's, who, who, anybody ever been afraid of the dark? Huh? Right? How many of you have watched scary movies enough so that when you're walking in a hallway that's dark, you think that face from that scary movie is going to go, oh! Right? The worst thing I hated as a kid was turning off the basement lights. And the thing in our house back in the day was we had the light bulb with the string. How many of you remember that? And there were two light bulbs between the back of the basement to the stairway. 
And inevitably, my mother, saving electricity, would turn off the light to the stairway while I was down there. Oh, this is great. I knew. I had one chance to hit that string just right when I would run and I would run and hit that string and pull it and run to the next one because once I hit this string, it's dark. And every demon in my basement was going to chew my heels and attack my throat. Anybody with me on that? Basements were made from the devil. I don't know. And inevitably, I'd hit the first one and run and go to hit the next one and the string would bounce off my hand and I would look back thinking, oh no! And I'd have to turn around facing the wrong direction. We have defeated the devil through Jesus Christ, but you sure better respect the power he wields. He can do horrendous things. And we don't have to fear him, but we have to respect that power we're going up against. Because like the seven sons of Sceva, it's by the name of Jesus we have any authority, not our own. But we can walk in that authority. We'll learn how to do that. But I just want you to know, he is a roaring lion. In other words, he is trying to scare you. And he does want to devour some. Would you say that the devil has effectively devoured people's lives? In fact, if I could get a raise of hands here, how many of you at one time had your life pretty messed up by the devil? All right. Thank God for the grace of God and the power of His Holy Spirit to get us out of the clutches of the devil. But he can mess you up pretty good. And his goal is to take you out. So we need to understand there is a real enemy. I go back to those statistics where some 30% of most Americans and even in the church don't even believe that there is a devil. Now if you don't believe you've got an enemy and he's looking as to who he can devour, you know, you're an easy target. Let's go on, Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're going to be going into this further as to these rankings. The way Paul lists these, these are not simply just random titles. They, in fact, have authority and power and levels of authority in the heavenlies as rankings in an army. And so there are ruling principalities, there are authorities, there are powers, and there are forces. Those are English words for Greek words that have impact in different realms in the heavenlies. They have different authorities. Just like there are seraphim and there are cherubim and there are messenger angels, the same as uh, for fallen angels. Now, what he says is, we don't wrestle against people. That's not where our fight is. Oh, we have to, maybe you got into a skirmish with people and people got bad attitudes and you've been in fights and arguments with them. But he's saying that's not the reason this planet is going to hell and suffering under sin and death. 
reformed people, and that'll still happen. The problem is in the spirit realm. That's where our warfare is, the spirit realm. He uses the term wrestle. And if you look at the Strong's Concordance, Pele, it's uh, Strong's 3823, it means this, a contest between two in which each endeavors to throw the other and which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. Is that a little more graphic for you? Can I tell you, and, and, and I'll speak to myself first, um, I don't follow through with spiritual warfare to the place I should. And I would say most of us need to go into this deeper. Because what happens is we release the enemy way too soon. We take our authority. We bind you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We say stop that. Amen. And we go on. This wrestling says it's between two who will wrestle and fight till you can get the one down and take a death grip on the neck and hold them down till they are defeated. There's a time of tarrying, travailing and moving in prayer to where you have to fight the enemy. We'll take a look at this later in Daniel chapter 9 when the prince of Persia, the angels came to answer Daniel's prayer. He had been praying 21 days. The angels said, we, God heard you on the first day. I was sent on the very first day. You asked, but I've been wrestling. I've been fighting the principalities in the air. And he had to ask for another angel's help. So let's be sober-minded in this battle. Yes, we have all authority in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you never want to let your enemy go too soon. Doesn't it drive you nuts in the movies when the lady's in the house, the burglar comes in, she goes, ah! And he comes after her, and somehow she knocks the gun out of his hand, and she goes, gets the gun, and she goes, oh, 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 and shoots him in the knee. And she puts the gun down and goes, and you know what's going to happen. Every movie goes this way. She's on the phone. I think there's a problem here. There's a prowler. And next thing behind her, you see the guy going, ah, and he gets her. Don't shoot him in the knee. When you're dealing with the devil, you use a stranglehold and you don't give up till he's vanquished. We have the power and authority over it, but I want you to know these things are supernatural beings. And they'll wait for your weakness. I've been in deliverance ministries and times where we have prayed and prayed and prayed, and the devil's a liar. How many of you know that? He's a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a, con a, a, a contriver, you know. And what he'll do is he will make all the noise and all the spitting and all the so that you'll go after the loud demons and the ruckusing demons and you cast them out and that's fine, but you never touch the strong man. Because they just tricked you. Because they're waiting for you to give up because you're tired. Time to go home. American Idol's on. Don't want to miss that. And so he's a schemer. This is, he wants souls. He wants to ruin people's lives. He's outside of time. Okay? 
So when we get weary and tired, that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit in this. All right? So when we wrestle, we need to be good at it. Right? So we, have, we know that we have authority in God over the devil, but what we do is we use that too simply. And what we do is we think our words are enough. So we use the slogans that we learned out of the deliverance book that we bought. Chapter 7 says, plead the blood and say, I bind you in Jesus' name, amen. And we all start that way, right? I mean, you all get there and you, and you do that and, and you go, I bind you in Jesus' name and nothing's happening. And you know, I plead the blood of Jesus and nothing's happening and you, you work on this and so you scream it because that's what they do on TV. I bind you in Jesus' name! And these magic words don't seem to work. But I screamed. I really wanted it. See, I mean, when you wrestle, right? How many of you see wrestling on TV? See, I'm going to use an analogy because what I think is big-time wrestling is what most Christians think the warfare is about when really it's about that cage fighting. You ever see cage fighting? No, don't watch it. You don't want to watch it. <laughs> Where these two guys pummel each other. Man, they kick, they swing, they bam. You can't get out of there either. The cage is locked. You know, it's a warfare. And we're getting, could I say this? We're getting our butts kicked. Our children, we're losing them. We're losing family members. We're losing friends. We're losing our schools. We're losing our nation. But we binded and we said in Jesus' name, but if you don't know how to war, we're going to lose it. So this is wrestling until you keep the enemy down and defeated. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Well, that's not fair. That's nasty. That's not playing fair, is it? Right? He disguises himself as an angel of light. So there is some trickery going on, right? There's deception going on. Look, at we can't enter, this is what I'm trying to get at. You can't enter into spiritual warfare except by the Spirit of God. How are you going to discern what spirit is doing what? We can't do this on our own. We've got to learn to move in the Spirit and be dependent on the Holy Spirit, learning how to pray, because He disguises Himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 4.4 The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God who is in the image of God. So not only does He deceive in presenting Himself, also using fear and intimidation, but He also blinds people. They cannot see the light of the gospel. We preach, but he keeps them blinded. We tell them the power of God's word, but he keeps them seduced. We preach the truth, and he perverts it and distorts it. Every great revival typically is followed by some false teaching. You see, so many false denominations, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and so forth, cropped up after the great revivals in, the, in America. 
because the distorter, the deceiver came, twisted the real move of God and warped it into something else. He's a deceiver. We need to be balanced. We need to know the Word of God. We need to understand. He blinds the minds. So when you're witnessing, brothers and sisters, it's not simply, it is a good idea, but it's not simply a good argument. You should know scriptures. You should understand apologetics. You should be able to explain the difficulties in scripture. But that's not the reason totally why people aren't coming to Christ. The real reason is they're blinded by a demonic power. So when you evangelize, we need to pray that God would tear the blinders off their eyes so that the light of the glorious gospel could be seen when you preach to them. There's warfare in evangelism. It's more than giving someone a track. It is doing warfare. There is demonic blinders on people's eyes. We need to... Uh, deal with that spiritually let's go on Ephesians 2 2 in which you once walked following the course of this world knowing the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience so where is he the prince of the power of the air the airwaves he blinds people to the light of the gospel look at the picture here the visual he's the prince of the power of the air and he's blocking the light of the gospel. It's darkness. He moves in darkness. All disobedience, all rebellion is done in the cloak of darkness. Sin is hidden in darkness. Shame keeps people in darkness. One of the best ways for you to break the enemy's work in your life is bring it to the light. Confess your faults one to the other. Confess to the Lord God. Bring it out into the light. Confess to someone else. What happens is when you bring it out, now you're bringing it out of darkness into the light. God can do something with it now. And so he cloaks things in darkness. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not, what? Waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. His reference here to the flesh is not the sinful flesh, but simply more being mortal. He's saying, though we walk as human beings, we are not waging war according to human warfare. Our weapons of our warfare are not our human intellect, human strength, human emotions. No, we have spiritual power to destroy strongholds. So spiritual warfare is us operating in what realm? The Spirit. You getting this? We're getting this. All right? I have had privilege to walk with people who have ministered in spiritual warfare in such a way that they're so in tune with the Spirit that they can come into a room and they begin ministering. They begin calling out specific demonics. And they begin understanding the tactics of the enemy. And they are able to bind them, clamp them down, move them out of the way, and get right to the issue. And by the anointing and the authority they carry, they are able to move in deliverance to bring people out of that darkness. Because they're wrestlers. And they've been in the realm of spiritual warfare. you got to spend time in the Spirit 
to know how to move in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Right? If you don't drive a car, you're not going to know how to drive a car. Is that profound? That's, that's ama- amazingly profound. You got to do it to own it. Right? And brothers and sisters, do you think there is ever a time when this world is under demonic oppression? We are under such demonic oppression. There are so many addictions round about us. People who are just, right now, we could walk into this neighborhood and the level of demonic warfare that's going on over people's homes, in their houses, over their children's bedrooms, over, over all the activities that they're doing. Walk into the city of Detroit and walk into any major city area and feel the demonic oppression. And, and we need to understand the level of warfare it's going to take. We need to begin living in these areas. But see, we've been so worried about being blessed. What does a soldier know about materialistic things? A soldier doesn't own anything except what was commissioned to him by his superior. I want a better gun. I don't like this gun. I don't want to carry this backpack. It's too heavy for me. This cot, too small. I want king size. This is the army of God. Right? Jeeps are very bumpy on the roads. I would like something, maybe a four-wheeler, something nicer. And, I, and, and what we've been rating each other as the spiritual level is how much stuff we have so we can say how blessed we are. While in the spirit realm, we're weak and feeble. And I count myself among them. We really need to begin understanding where we're at. Yeah, but you're going to get crazy when you do that. No. You're going to have a biblical worldview and you're going to be balanced and understand how to relate to the spirit realm, but also how to relate to those who are unbelievers. You don't have to act like a, a goofball, you know, and, and tell people who have no comprehension of the demonic to, 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 to speak uh, uh, spiritual things to people who are, are spiritually illiterate. doesn't make sense, does it? So you know how to work in all levels. That's a good soldier. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Oh, wait a minute. Now, he blinds people, he lies to people, he distorts the truth, he scares people while he roars at them, <clears throat> and he also has schemes, well-thought-out plans. assignments and plans well thought out to trap you how about this one could you fathom that the enemy might have schemes against your children he's watched at their positioning in the family he sees where their weaknesses are he hears them crying in the night over what they're upset about. He schemes and he plans with other children in the school to try to get them to go against the things of God. Oh, Pastor, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to wake us up to the schemes. You know, how many of you know he's got schemes against your marriage? 
He really wants to destroy your marriage. Wants to destroy you. He watches you. He observes you. He, uh, he's taking an eye. He's watching to see where you are upset. Where you fail. Where you're weak. Ooh, did you see that? All right. I can get him there. These are schemes. Do you understand schemes? Okay, they're serious plans that are well thought out and executed. And we've got the idea we're just covered. We're good. We're always covered. Do, are we covered? Yeah. Do we have angels who will watch over us? Yeah. But we also have the ability to do what we want too. Don't we? So we've got to walk with the Spirit, not under our own authority. So I'm trying to bring tonight simply the reality of the level of warfare that we are actually in. All right? 2 Corinthians 2.11 So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. As believers, we are not ignorant the bible tells us every scheme this one this devil's ever concocted he's only got three areas of power lust of the eyes lust of the flesh and the pride of life he uses the world and the flesh to get us problem is works most of the time (laughs) but we're not ignorant of his schemes or devices hear what paul says don't be outwitted All right, so we've got to be wise. We've got to be sharp and watch. Have you ever caught yourself and realized, oh, I could have messed this one up? But you stopped just in time. Devil kept you from that. Don't go there. And this time you listened. Oh, hallelujah. Don't be outwitted, outschemed, right? We have the mind of Christ. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came for the direct opposite of what the devil's trying to do. He's coming to bring us life and life abundantly. But what does it say the enemy's trying to do? Kill, steal, and destroy. These are not pleasant things. Now there are times when we have lost things because of our own poor stewardship and our ignorance. But there are other times that we have been ripped off by the devil. And we were outwitted. Now, 1 John 3, 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. So that we can destroy the works of the devil, he can be finished, and we can take the territory that he has been occupying, and we can evict him. We need to do this work, and we need to get wise, and we need to be aware of the warfare we're in. I hope that as an introduction, this helps you see a biblical worldview, is that there is a very present and active demonic force at work in the world. And we need to know how to fight it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I, I'll go over this chart with you next week.